So you were an art major at UCSB. Yes. Yeah. Why art? Um, I actually feel fortunate because I always knew that that was what I wanted to do. Like, even my parents told me that, you know, how two-year-olds, they're always carrying something. I always had markers or crayons or pencils in my hands. Um, and I was just always drawing stick figures. And I just always felt the most at peace, even now. Um if I go too long without making art, I start feeling weird. And I'm like, you know, why am I feeling like this? And I'll realize, oh, I'm not feeling like myself because I'm not making art. And that's just the biggest part of who I am. And I just never really saw an alternative because I was like, I have this thing that I am good at. And why not just specialize in that and make it profitable rather than have it be a hobby and then try to do something else that I don't love as much. Um, and I've been told like, wow, that's so cool that you always, you know, had that, um, what's the word? Like sureness about it. Like I was always just certain that this was my path, <laughs> like this thing that I was going to pursue. So, um, yeah, it was never really a question. It was easy, which was great. Um, and I did transfer. I went to community college because um, I'm from Santa Cruz. So I went to Cabrillo College. Shout out Cabrillo. I love that place. Um, just because I was only 17 when I graduated high school and I didn't feel ready to go off to a university. And it just made sense financially too. Um, because in California, they have this promise program thing. I didn't know they had it up there. Oh, yeah. I think That's it's all crazy. over California. Um, and so I essentially got free community college and I took some really interesting classes and I feel like CC is split up between people who are like me and they're motivated and they're good students and they just want to save money. Um, and people who, you know, kind of screwed up at some point or, you know, aren't as, um, motivated who are just kind of figuring things out. But if you're in the category of people who makes an effort. It's so easy. Like the world opens up for you and everyone's so helpful. And I just put a little bit of effort into um, applying to scholarships. And I literally made more money from scholarships than I paid in tuition, um, which is, I feel so fortunate. Like, and people don't really know that. So that's why I'm always an advocate for CC because I'm like, I had a great experience. I know that I did miss out socially um, I do see people at UCSB who have had their day one, you know, like trauma bond dorm people <laughs> who they've been through everything with. And um, I do see how it could be really fun to come in brand new as a 17 or 18 year old and then have this whole wild ride. 
but I think the path that worked out for me was just perfect. Yeah. And I feel like both have their strength, strengths and weaknesses, right? Like being, you, you get more of a perspective coming from like a CC or in, in the sense that if you're just at UCSB for the four years or any four year, right, you're just mm-hmm. in one place, especially in IV, it's kind of like a bubble. Yeah. So, and then a lot of people don't have cars. I, I'm like, I know that. So, yeah. So, I mean, there's some pluses to that. Oh, definitely. And also the classes at my community college were so diverse, like the people in the classes. Um, And I just got to talk to all these different kinds of people who were all there for different reasons and people who had lived all over the world. And I took this women's history class my second year and I sat next to this guy, Don, every day. And he was probably like 75 years old. He was an Air Force veteran and he was just the sweetest guy. And he had the most interesting stories. Like his contributions to the class were really awesome because he just had lived such a life. Um, But every day he would bring in two Dove chocolates and he would like give one to me and take one for himself. And we would both unwrap them and read the little like foil on the inside, the little message and just things like that. Like you don't get that from any other like place so i felt really lucky to be able to just meet so many interesting that's people. so cute have it you seen so uh, the show community yeah <laughs> it's like that oh my god my friend molly loves that show she's trying to like get me into it <laughs> it's pretty good yeah. yeah yeah there's things i mean every like the office like it's kind of same vibes mm-hmm, yeah. Totally. so you were talking about making art profitable how, how do you do that um well i've actually i've been making art for people for a long time just because i was always making it and you know, family, friends or whatever would um, ask for like a custom piece, which um, it is difficult for me with the money aspect, just because especially if it is a person that I know and love, like I feel almost guilty charging them for it when it's something I'm because in my mind, it's like, well, they're just giving me an opportunity to do what I love and like a new project and a new way to kind of, you know, work. So I do have trouble, um, especially when I was younger, like in high school, people would ask me to do commissions and I would charge like, you know, essentially giving myself like a dollar an hour or whatever, just because I didn't feel validated enough kind of or I I don't even think validated is the right word but it was almost like I just didn't um demand monetary compensation for my work just because I didn't have that like gumption or whatever (laughs) um but as I've gotten older I've been better at getting assertive um because I have had situations where like people forgot to pay me or we agreed on a price and they kind of go back on it when and plus one thing about me is, you know, I'm like a try hard, but like in a, in a good way, you know, I do think it's good to put a hundred percent into everything that you do, which I totally do, especially in my artwork. But sometimes people don't understand that, you know, when I do an art piece, especially if it's for someone else, I'm putting hours and hours in it. Like, especially for me, I, I love working all night. So I'll just like pull all nighters and um, just because I, my work is a part of me and I want to make it the best it can be, obviously. Um, And so sometimes it kind of feels ridiculous to try to get monetary compensation for that because it's like, well, you know, I'm giving you a piece of myself basically. And I have been getting no sleep for it. So like, you know, um, it's easy to just kind of be like, oh, just give me like a hundred dollars or whatever. 
Um, but I'm realizing that as I get older, I need to be more on top of it, especially because if I do want to make this my, you know, means for living, then I got to like figure out how to be more assertive and get paid when I need to, because I know that my work is good. It's not a question of that. It's just a question of like, do I need like a manager or <laughs> like, how am I going to, um, make it so that it's not so stressful for me. And so such a like, you know, uh, crazy thing to um get like what i deserve essentially so mm-hmm. and what was your experience at in the art department in, at ucsb is it good is it okay it's good it's um very underfunded which um my parents were actually kind of upset about that because they were like well they basically lured you in or i don't know lured is like a scary word but they you know presented themselves in this way like we will be a great asset to your education like come here and then when you get there and you like start paying tuition you realize like oh shit there's not enough money to hire new professors to teach more courses and the professors themselves are like not getting paid enough just in their own right um and so the hardest part for me was just getting the upper division units that I needed to graduate because most of my GEs were already done and I just needed like, you know, various um, upper division courses, which I really enjoyed. But um, also there's the sense of competitiveness. And that's part of the reason why I love UCSB is it's not like Berkeley or UCLA where because I, I know um, I have a friend who goes to Berkeley and she said people will rip pages out of textbooks in the library because they don't want anyone else to be able to study them. And I'm like, damn, I don't want to be in an environment like that. Like I just love um you know, not feeling this competition. I would rather feel um, camaraderie than competition type of thing. And so I do feel like I get that at UCSB. So it was kind of weird when I entered the art department and people would be like, oh, you got into Jane's painting class. Like, oh, I, I wanted that class. But then, you know, and when everyone has the same pastime and you're all signing up at the same time. And it's weird too, because it's such a small department that as I was you know, finger poised over the button, like ready to sign up for classes right on the dot. And then they would fill up anyway. It's like, oh, well, it's probably just all of my art friends who are all buying for the same spot as me. So that was kind of tough. Um, But overall, um, I did have a lot of great experiences with professors and students. Um, The thing about UCSB is you don't have to submit a portfolio, which is interesting because I know a lot of other art programs at different schools are very, um, you kind of have to prove yourself. But the fact that there was no portfolio process kind of made it cool because it wasn't, I don't know, I know you and I were talking about earlier like elitism in the art world. Um, I feel like that was kind of put to the side because essentially if you wanted to go to UCSB and you want to do art and you get good grades and you know you got into the school you can do it um and so I feel like that not having boundaries like that allows you to be in a place where you're just meeting all different kinds of people with all different interests and stuff so I do feel like it was a very well-rounded like social scene um and I also learned a lot from my community college I feel like I learned more technically like in terms of uh, technical application. Drawing. Yeah, application. Thank you. Um, I learned more technic- in te- 
in terms of technical application from community college, <laughs> but in terms of um, theory and art history, I had to take a good amount of art history classes. Um, I learned more from UCSB, but my personal favorite part of the campus is all over the art building, um, which is gorgeous also, like not to mention there's the lagoon and the ocean right there. Um, there's all these lock boxes on the doors and um, the students get access to them. And so say you're taking a printmaking class, they give you the code, you get 24 seven access to the studio, which is insane. Like I felt like that was the biggest blessing that anyone could have ever given me just because I love working all night. Like I said, as I said, so I was just always in there at odd hours of the day and night um, and just getting like, I don't, I don't know if other people feel the same way, but getting a space to yourself to just work is like the best thing ever to me. I mean, cause I can work at home and I'll bring art stuff into the library sometimes, but getting a studio, especially one that like no one else really utilized so I could just be in solitude was like incredible. That is really cool. Mm -hmm. Dang, where is the art department? I, I don't know where it it's, is. It's like pretty much right by the lagoon. It's it's near the USN and like Stork Tower and the plaza is right next to. I've seen the museum. Is it there? Yeah. Yeah, it's all attached to the Whoa. museum because there's the AD&A museum mm -hmm. and then the glass box. So it's just all like in that same vicinity. Interesting. And was UCSB your first choice? Yeah, well, well, no, actually, I really wanted to go to UCLA just because I had heard that they had a really amazing art program and their professors are artists that are in the MoMA. You know, they're kind of big name people. And at the time, I felt like I've worked so hard I want to have a great school on my resume because I deserve it. And I know that I'm a good artist and basically like, you know, I, I deserve to have like the best, the cream of the crop education, whatever. But in retrospect, I'm so glad that I did not go to UCLA. I mean, I, I didn't get in, which like at the time I was kind of crushed because I was like, but they have such a good art program and all I want to do is art. Um, but it was a toss up between a couple different UCs because I knew I wanted to go to UC. Um, and I remember making my decision being like, but UCSB, it's like a party school. Like it doesn't look as good as a different school on a, you know, resume or whatever. But I'm so happy that I decided to go here and just the, it's laid back, but people are really hardworking and people really are good at balancing work and play, which is something that I've been thankful that people can kind of role model that for me. Um, and just cause I, I struggle with time management already. And <laughs> there's so much fun stuff to do here, but living so close to the ocean and being around like, I don't know, I'm from Santa Cruz, so I'm a hippie at heart, but, and being around all these hippies who just have a deep appreciation for, um, other people and friendships and nature has just been really good for me. Mm -hmm. And you didn't want to go to Santa Cruz? No, it's just, it's too close to home, I think. And also a lot of people don't like UCSC, which surprised me because it's such a gorgeous campus and it's in the Redwoods and, you know, near the beach, what's better than that? Um, but my roommate, my, my bestie actually, um, she went to UCSC and she said it was very 
dark because there is such a dense forest um, that not a lot of light like penetrates, especially because there's the fog like um, a lot of the times uh, because it is like the ocean or marine layer, whatever it's called. Um, but it's so it's kind of dark and it's also really far up uh, this big hill. Have you been to the campus? Mm-mm. Okay. Yeah. So it's like the town of Santa Cruz, which is like the downtown Santa Cruz is like nothing crazy. People don't care about shopping in Santa Cruz. So it's very small and like modest, but then it's up this huge hill. So people feel kind of isolated from the community. Whereas IV, Isla Vista is like very integrated with the, you know, there's the downtown little area and then there's all the housing and then campus and it's all just kind of wrapped up in this big thing. And so it's very easy to get around and be a part of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been nice too, but no, UCSC was never really on my radar. <laughs> not that it's not a good school. And what's your ultimate goal with art? Are you, do you want to be in museums? Do you just want to be in people's uh, like house? Do you just want to make a living? Like, yeah, I actually don't love having my work in galleries, which is really strange. Like, cause it's a huge, um, honor, like, to be nominated for something. And so I was nominated for the undergrad exhibition last year and this year, actually, I'm going to have pieces in the show. You are? Yeah. When? <laughs> um, like right around graduation, like mid June. Um, no way. I'll send you the stuff. Yeah, yeah. please. Dude. Yeah. Well, I see you like getting all excited <laughs> about it. And that's so sweet. But like, for me, I just don't, it's not fulfilling to me. I don't know what it is, but last year, I like went and I had my piece on the wall and I just like go and I stand in front of this piece. I think part of it is like, I spend so it's so laborious to, for me to make an art piece. And that was the case with this piece. It was like, um, it was a project that I did in a drawing class, monster drawing actually, which was a sick class, but monster drawing, monster drawing. Yeah. It was, um, it's taught by Eric Belts. Who's a great professor at UCSB. Um, and it focuses on um, drawing thing. It kind of like some people in the class were very character development oriented. Like there was this one kid who plays like Dungeons and Dragons. I don't know if Dungeons and Dragons is like the online one where you can choose different characters and stuff. Um, and he would use the prompts in the class to like design characters for the game. Um, so it was really well suited for someone like him. But for me, like that's not my realm mm-hmm. at all. So mm-hmm. it kind of pushed me out of my comfort zone because we would like watch scary movies or kind of study wow. what is scary, like what's actually scary and what's kind of cliche mm-hmm. or ways that combining a human with something inhuman is kind of inherently grotesque or like scary. Um, and so just kind of like reorienting your, um, I don't know, for me, it just reoriented my like ideas of what I can draw for me personally. Cause I had never really tried that kind of thing mm-hmm. before. Like there was the piece that was in the show, actually the original assignment was a self portrait with yourself mixed with something not human, um, which was really interesting. And I did this piece I'll show you later, but it's like, I, I had been looking at myself in the mirror because I, I like kind of had 
an idea years prior where I was like scrunching up my nose because if you scrunch up your nose, like if you do, I'm like looking in the mirror, if you scrunch up your nose, then your eyebrows kind of arch a little bit. And then the mouth lines arch the opposite way. And so I've been looking at myself in the mirror and I'm like, oh, it almost looks like, oh, maybe I could do something with those lines and like a butterfly. And so I did. And so it was cool because the monster drawing class essentially pushed me to do this kind of ballsy piece, um, which was really difficult, but it turned out really cool. Um, And then I ended up using that piece for the base point of um, a sequence assignment in that same class. So then the piece ended up being like a self-portrait mixed with, or like alongside this kind of transitionary piece. And then the final piece was the scrunched up like butterfly. It almost looked like a butterfly was like growing out of my skin. Um, like, is it a self-portrait? It is a self-portrait. Whoa. I can grab my phone and show Yeah, sure. Yeah. Can I like scoot Yeah, you're that? good. You could take off the headphones too if you need to. Dude, that's crazy. Yeah, because I want to ask you like, how do you get chosen, right? Do you have oh. to um, enroll or like, you know, do a raffle type thing or someone sees your work and they're like, dude, we want this. Yeah. So it's actually um, the each professor gets to nominate a certain number of pieces. I'm not sure how many is, but just out of people who have been in their class or like their assortment of classes for that Mm -hmm. year um, or that. Wait. Yeah. No. Year. Year. (laughs) Not sure. But yeah. Um, So it's all nominated by professors which is really like cool um oh my gosh i can't find it oh oh it's on my website what am i doing (laughs) but um yeah and so it is a huge honor to be nominated but i remember last year just going and it's because i think part of it is i spend so many hours and hours on this piece and then the ultimate and frame is just me looking at it on the wall. And it was just kind of like, okay, like that's it. Because I really love making art for other people. Like I was saying, like I, um, oh, here it is. This is the final. Um, Dude, that's crazy. How did you draw that? Just graphite. Graphite? That's like, that's not digital? No. Dude, whoa. Do you take a picture of yourself? Yeah. I just like took yeah. <laughs> I know. Um, and I'll show whoa. you I'll show you the self-portrait too. Okay, because this was like mm-hmm. the self-portrait mixed with something in human assignment. Mm-hmm. And then um I did this self-portrait, which is also just graphite. That was really like for your bangs. <laughs> Did you have your bangs in this picture? No. I just cut my bangs in January. Oh so yeah? Pretty fresh. <laughs> yeah, I think I met you with the bangs, so. Yeah, yeah. That's like your your trademark. I feel like that's a lot of people's trademarks. Yeah. And you're like blonde, so I mean they just stick yeah. out. Yeah, I know. Well, it's so funny because the bangs are very new, but people will come up to me like at a party or something and they'll be like, oh, I recognized you because I saw your bangs, which is so funny. That is my trademark, but they were a total impulse decision. So it's funny that it's like such a part of me now. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah anyways so do you have to answer questions when you're standing there like do people approach you when you're standing in front of your artwork oh or um, did, did you say that you were standing in there in front oh of yeah it? because i attended mm-hmm. the show or mm-hmm. like the reception because usually um at least as far as i know with art shows they'll go for like a week or two Whoa. um and then there's one like period that's a couple hours long where it's like the reception where they mm-hmm. have like food and like sometimes like refreshments or whatever um and they people kind of mill around and it was kind of spaced out so no one like came up to me um and asked me questions or anything but just for me to be there and my friends came too and I was chatting with my professors whatever um but there was something about it that was very like that's it like what like the, all of this work especially because you have to buy a frame and get it mad and it's like you this do whole, um, or they do <laughs> yeah well for this past for for this upcoming exhibition i bought frames oh, and frames are more expensive than people think too. yeah like, i i don't like dealing with framing because i'm like i just like making art i don't do you get paid for doing this no whoa it's just so just oppor- to get your an opportunity yeah, it's an opportunity and it is That's a big cool. like i do not want to seem ungrateful for yeah. it because it's such an honor and like the professors are only choosing a couple students um so it is I feel very fortunate, but at the same time, it's almost just like this museum stuff is not for me. Like, I don't know what it I is. I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. But on the other hand, like I've done pieces for like even just family, friends or like people around town and knowing that my art is hanging in their house, especially if it's some, like something really personal, like a pet portrait which I love doing because it's so, you know, personal and really means a lot to people. Just knowing that it's hanging in their home where they get to decide where everything goes and that it kind of brings them some kind of joy or peace every day. Like that is priceless. And I love that. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just something about the museum setting just feels kind of impersonal maybe. No, I get that. I don't know if this resonates, but you know how like when an artist's song blows up for mm-hmm. the wrong reason that like their song is about something else and it's personal, but it yeah. blows up. And they did like a sped up version and like it turns yeah. into something that it, that kind of happened like Steve Lacey. Mm-hmm. Like he, it didn't seem like he intended for his music to be like seen how it is now. Exactly. And it's, yeah. So it's really yeah. interesting. And he, not that he's not grateful, but he's kind of like, hmm. I know. This, this is weird. Yeah. Especially because, and Steve Lacey is so cool because he does so much of it just from his heart, like by himself too. Even yeah. his EP where he made it all on his phone. So, and it's the same for me like i mean i can make art and i do scan it and you know put it on sweatshirts or make prints of it or whatever so it does lose that like aura of the original but it is still harkens back to me sitting there drawing listening to podcasts or music in the middle of the night like drinking coffee like grinding and you know there's something so because that's me like that when I'm in my element making art, like that is the deepest part of who I am. That's like mm-hmm. my whole identity. It's funny to me when people are like, oh, I didn't know you're an artist. It's like, well, that's like my whole life. You know, it's what I most closely resonate with just like as a person, like that is who I am. Um, and so, yeah, but ultimately going back to your question, um, I love doing projects for people and I like kind of having um, my hands in like a bunch of different things. I don't think I could ever do. Well, actually, I don't. Well, but that's the thing. I haven't tried a lot of things, so I don't know what I'm best suited for. Because I was gonna say I don't think I could do a nine to five, but like maybe I could. Um, but I'm I am interested in 
graphic design and illustration, even though I don't really do digital stuff as much because I love feeling the material and picking out the paper and stuff. But I am fascinated by brand identity and how people or consumers will make decisions just solely based on what the packaging looks like, whether that be good or bad. Like if a product looks cheap or if it has bad design, even if people, you could know nothing about design and just look at something and be like, oh, that doesn't look good. Whereas if you know the formal elements of composition, and you know, d- design principles and stuff, then you can create a label that looks good or looks pretty. And people will just reach for that on the shelf and pay more for it because they're convinced that it's a better product. And it could be, you know, Kirkland signature brand and then the like, quote, better, fancier, more expensive brand. And it's the same product and people will pay more. Like that whole psychology of that is fascinating. And like I, Supreme? Yeah, exactly. And like the way that people market certain brands or designers or whatever, like um, I think it's really interesting And I haven't taken a lot of graphic design classes. I feel like a lot of it is just intuitive, but I have done, I've done wine labels and like flyers for people and logos. And something about that is really fulfilling because it, it pushes myself. Like it's a challenge for me to figure out how to best encapsulate, like what the client wants. How can I make this look good? How can I make sure that this is still personal to me because it's me making it. And I want my kind of, I want this to be something that only I could make. I don't want this to be, um, what's the word? Like a replicable kind of like, um, and yeah. So if anything, I mean, I just graduated last quarter. So like the world is my oyster, um, but I'm not feeling scared. I'm mostly just feeling really excited to try everything just because I, I do know that I, I'm like a hard worker and I have valuable skills. So I'm just going to kind of see where that takes me. And you have really good energy. Like you feel oh, like, I don't know, just like a good vibe, you know? Oh, yeah. You much. just really Likewise. good energy. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah. And you were talking about your website. How do you like set that up and do you print stuff yourself? Oh yeah. So, um, I, didn't have a website for the longest time. And then I actually, I was talking with my ex-boyfriend's aunt back when we were dating. And she was just like the coolest lady. She lived in Turkey for a long time and she had all of these travel stories and she um, was just the sweetest. And she, I told her that I was an artist and I was kind of showing her pictures of my art on my phone because she was curious. And she's like, wait, don't you have a website? And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> she's like, oh my God, make a Weebly. It's free. Like, just put your stuff all together. Trust me. Like, don't think about it. Just do it. So I was like, okay. So then I made a little free website and then I actually took this class. Best class I've ever taken was Artist Futures taught by Sarita Zaleha. I don't even know if she still teaches anymore or what, but um. You're good with the memory, by the way. Like you about the <laughs> license plate thing. I heard you say your other professor's oh name. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. Was it side note, but it's so funny that you say that because um, my brother and I like because my brother he's actually transferring to UCSB. Um, yeah, he followed in my footsteps and went to the same CC. So you know, shout out. But um, we are friends with the same people because he studied abroad through SBCC, so he knows people who like live in Santa Barbara. And they're like, you and Holden both 
remember like the most random facts. And it's so true. Like for some reason, our brains just kind of latch onto certain things and we're just filled with fun facts. But um, yeah. And for me, yeah. Something about license plates. Like it's not even like I'm trying. I just retain that information, the useless information. No, it's not useless. Have you seen forensic files? Oh yeah. (laughs) That's not useless. Yeah. It'll come up. (laughs) I know. Um, but the website, the website. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah. So Sarita Zaleha's class, the first assignment was to make a website. And I'm like, oh, perfect. I've already been kind of drafting one. Um, but that was a cool experience because I picked out every image of every piece of art that I've like ever made in my life that I was proud enough of to put on the website. And seeing it all together is trippy because it's things that I made back in high school versus things that I've made in like my post-collegiate era (laughs) and seeing the progression and also seeing what stayed the same is really interesting like definitely themes of like um like nature or like I'm fascinated by patterns and details in nature and in animals um which might not be interesting to other people but like love that kind of thing or like I will never be bored by like drawing a plant or a face just because there's so many nuances and so many textures and details. And it's just like so interesting to capture. Um, But yeah, so that was really cool seeing all of my work together. And then as I kind of just messed around with the Weebly website, or I think it's Weebly or Squarespace. I think they're linked somehow, but I remember... Weebly is like the interface that I use to like make it and you can customize it any which way. And I made it very like my own and I drew a little logo for myself. And then I found this website called Printify where you can just put any image like on a sweatshirt or a t-shirt or whatever. Um, So then I figured out how to like scan my physical drawings and paintings, put them into Adobe Illustrator and then tweak them or like alter them, whatever, make them more graphic and then put them on like shirts and tote bags and stuff. So now I have this little like side biz where I'm doing tote bags or even if someone asks for like a custom piece, they could be like, oh yeah, could you like paint this for me? Put it into Illustrator, do this and that, and then like put it on a sweatshirt. I'm like, oh hell yeah, I can do that. You know, it's just um, getting the whole Printify thing set up with the products was really cool because it was just another way that my artwork can kind of like be integrated into the world and serve a purpose. Because I think that's the root of what I want to do is I want to make art and I want it to be purposeful and functional. Even if the function is just like, oh, I just am, I have to wear some kind of clothing and like I might as well have something cool on it. Um, so yeah. No, I agree. I think that's what I'm trying to do with this podcast as well. I mean, I'm trying to get merch out there mm-hmm. and I have my friend did a logo for me yeah, and now right. we're just working on like um, what material. I think I'm definitely going to start with tote bags because I feel like a shirt. I don't I don't I feel like people have to actually really like be invested for sure. But that's a tote true. bag, dude, every, like everyone likes it, like whatever tote bag, they'll like take it with them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's genius. Dang. Man, I had a question that I was gonna ask. Yeah, sorry, I'm just I'm, I'm rambling. No, dude, you. I love it, dude. <laughs> it's sick that you're able to just like have all these thoughts and just like go with it, you know. Okay. And you explain things so well. Thank you, man. But what I was gonna say something about hmm. was it about UCSB. Yeah, I forgot. But 
what are some of your favorite artists? And you were, and also on if you want to talk about like the difference between the arts that you like, like you're talking about like contemporary art versus mm-hmm. like old world. Yeah, um, my personal favorite. I'm probably butchering his name, but um, George Surratt. Um, <laughs> probably saying that so wrong, but he is incredible. He did the um, Sunday Afternoon by Grand Jeté or whatever. Butchering another <laughs> word, <laughs> but um, the pointillism pieces where he, because he had this theory of color mixing, where say you're painting like an orange or something. So instead of actually mixing red and yellow together, you would just stipple it. And stippling is just like making a bunch of little dots. You would just stipple red and yellow dots next to each other, like hundreds, thousands to make the orange. And then when you step back optically, your eyes mix the colors for you. So he would do this on a large scale and it's insane. Like seeing this piece in person, the Grand Jeté one, you go up close and it just looks like a bunch of little M&Ms because it's just these tiny dots of pure color. And it isn't until you stand back that it creates an image. Um, And I've just always been fascinated by like mosaic work, like ancient mosaics and, um, pointillism and even impressionism because if you're doing you know dashes of color or like you know little tiny paint strokes of color that when you at a distance kind of form an image like I've just always been into that and also Chuck Close he had some like allegations like bad stuff towards the end of his life he actually just recently passed away but he used to be um, a hyper realist And then he got in an accident. So he was in a wheelchair and then he had this whole crazy apparatus in his studio where he would work with these really large canvases. And he has these, it's almost um, a similar pointillism technique, except he would use a grid and then do rings and dots of color. So, I mean, it's hard to describe. It's very distinct, his work. Like it's very easily recognizable, but just the ways that people come up with using color in kind of an illusory way so that only when observed from a distance, it forms an image like that is just my brain latches onto that. <laughs> I'm like, um, just so, always so interested. So I've done a lot of work with like grids and dots and um, things like that just because, and even, I mean, pixels are the same way where it's just a bunch of tiny elements that come together to form one big piece and so pretty much when any art involves that I'm just like all over it um and I'm also really intrigued by scientific illustration or like botanical illustration where uh people because I do love realism and just capturing every detail of something I think there's something really beautiful about translating um something onto paper and just trying to capture every nuance and every color and stuff. Um, And so, yeah, I love scientific illustration. That's badass. I like when they they bring in the senses, Mm -hmm. you know, like even optically, like when you say you stand back and you see something that you wouldn't see initially up front and also the ones that perspective, do you know how they like, um, 
I don't know. There would be at an angle, and then when you turn over here, it's like a completely oh, different thing. I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's fascinating. Um, oh, yeah, well, because for a long time, I... Oh, yeah, well, because part of what we were talking about earlier is, like, contemporary art versus um, more traditional means, I guess. But um, I'm personally not a huge fan of, like, art theory. I did take a couple theory classes just because they were requirements at UCSB. Um, but for me, I do think that there's intrinsically this kind of elitism that's wrapped up in art appreciation and understanding because, and, and I think that some people kind of exacerbate that, especially museums. Like, I mean, I don't know. I just, I think that making art is such a human thing. Like, I and I do think that the only reason why people really stop making art is because they're convinced that they're not good or they can't, quote, can't do it, which of course you can, but um, people hit this point of kind of sub self-consciousness or, oh, why would I waste my energy on that when I could do more productive things with my time? But I really do think that it's healthy for your like soul to kind of harken back to the little kid who would just pick up crayons and doodle all over all over everything because there's just something so human about like taking materials and making something with it um and i think that should be reflected in the world of art i don't think i mean i i do think it's really cool and i do feel very fortunate to have this knowledge of art art and art history um, to where if I were to go to a museum, I could probably have a deeper understanding of the pieces um, just because I do have that kind of re- retained or retained a little bit. I don't really remember a lot from the classes that I took. Um, but I appreciate when like institutions make it not elitist and they just make it so that someone from any background with any amount of knowledge can just walk in and appreciate artwork. And I think there is a place for contemporary art that is very minimalist or kind of vague. And then you have to read a 10 page paper to understand what they're getting at. But for me, I don't think that, I just feel like it almost defeats the purpose a little bit because it's like art is a part of the human experience and connecting over art is a beautiful thing. So why would you try to keep it in this little gated up community of people? Only a certain number of people really knows what this means. It's like, okay, I get that everyone loves to be a part of something and it's fun when things are exclusive, I guess, but there's also something beautiful about making it so that everyone can appreciate it, you know? Yeah. And historically speaking, when you think of what you're saying, it's so tied to humans. It really is. You know, it used to go hand in hand with like society as an example would be like Native Americans, like the uh, paint, uh, the cave drawings. Mm-hmm. Right. There's some even here in, in Santa Barbara. Right. From the, the Chumash, among other uh, people that inhabited this place. Um, Egypt, like ancient Mexico. Right. Like all these places used to have art like intertwined with their their everyday lives exactly yeah Yeah. just because i I feel like it is a natural thing to want to just make things or beautify things and 
Um, I don't like it when people get in their heads that like, oh, well, art isn't for me. I'm not a good artist. It's like, well, no one said anything about good. That's why, I mean, because even growing up, I had, it became apparent that I had kind of this flair for like making art just because, you know, that's what I love to do. And, but I would hate showing my art in class because people would compliment me by degrading themselves. You'd be like, oh, yours is so good. Like mine, mine sucks. Like I don't even want it. I don't even want anyone to see mine now because yours is so good. But it's like, that doesn't make, you know, it's not, it's not about comparison. It's just about even, even if art is quote bad, you're still using your mind. You're interpreting your stimuli and the things around you and you're translating it two-dimensionally on a piece of paper like literally that is so cool and I feel like people can kind of take a step back and just kind of appreciate the principle of how amazing it is that we can and do make art and why it's kind of good for your soul to appreciate it and not get wrapped up in oh well I'm not a good artist I don't know anything about art I can't be a part of that it's like well, if you can't be a part of making art, then like, you know, you're missing out on part of the human experience and that's no fun. So I, I will always be an advocate for trying to get as many people on board with that as possible. And also that's why I love using simple materials too, because I think art is intimidating, um, especially when, or, you know, making, making and viewing art can be intimidating. And making art is especially intimidating when people are like, oh, oil painting. Oh my God, I don't know what turpentine is, you know? Um, whereas for me, I'll show people my work. They'll be like, wow, like, what did you use to do that? Oh, a mechanical pencil. And everyone knows what a mechanical pencil is. You know, it's not any mystery. Like, that's why I love drawing. It's so simple and it's so accessible. Everyone at some point or another has picked up some kind of utensil and made a mark with it. Like, duh, that's all that it is. So I think it's cool that... Um, even a really incredible piece of art can just harken back to this, a pencil. A pencil, something so simple, exactly. Yeah. And it, what you were saying about that is really interesting because I've seen, I've, I used to go to this art store like a block away from here to buy graphing mechanical oh, was pencils. Was art essentials? Yeah. yeah. And you know those Japanese, like, uh, I just love writing with those, yeah. just like, just to write. But seeing the paintings, like a small tube of acrylic or a small tube of oil is like 30 bucks. I'm like, what the heck? So, so there right there is like knocking off uh, people that may be talented, but don't have the means to keep buying these things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. And I do think there's something to be said for high quality materials, especially paints like or a really good brush. Like, yeah, I remember my first time using a sable brush. I'm like, wow, like what's that? Uh, it's just like really um, high quality hair. I horse think. hair? Is that what they I use? I want to say horse hair. I might be wrong, but. That, that's um, the only one I've heard Yeah, of, yeah. Um, but just really expensive stuff can give you really nice results, mm -hmm. but you also don't need it. You know, it's more of an enhancement thing. It's like if you feel like your work or so, I mean, yeah, some people are like, oh, I only. Or, you know, I also, I play golf. So people are like, it's like when people are like, only, I only play with Titleist Pro V1s. Like, 
I can't play without them. It's like, okay. Um, Dude, I totally forgot you played golf. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, like we, were just, we were supposed to do this a few weeks ago, and I was like, all right, I'm going to ask her about golf. But okay, I'll ask you about golf right now. Yeah, no, well, it's funny because golf and art are kind of similar, too. Really? How? Well. I'm not questioning. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm like asking how. Or like, actually, I don't know. That's kind of a bold statement. But for me, it makes sense that I would like both because I am a very methodical person and I feel like with my artwork I like really take my time look at every nuance or whatever you know every every like millimeter of a piece I've like you know labored over and with golf it's similar in that you well golf is funny because it's it's also very um, based on solitude, like, because even if you're on a team, it's still just you. Like when you're out there, everyone's watching you, whatever, but it's your, it's all you and your brain and your body. Um, which I like too, but golf is also very much about nuance because one small adjustment can change everything. And it's what makes it so dang frustrating too, because you could be out on the range for hours and hours and then make one little adjustment. And you're like, oh, well, I just, you know, could have, could have learned that, like, you know, at the beginning of my session and, you know, had a better time. But um, how did you get into golf? Uh, my dad taught me yeah. and my mom's mom, my, you know, maternal grandmother also plays and she like lives near my or in my hometown. Um, and... I had my little pink clubs when I was like 11 and my dad would take me and I just thought it was like fun. And I would like go to the driving range and get like a Coke or something, like a soda with my dad. And I just felt, you know, all grown up on the driving range. And it was just a fun way to kind of spend time with my dad and be in the sun and stuff. But when I hit junior high age, um, I joined the co-ed team and that was you had a just, golf team oh in like junior high, high school? yeah junior high? well our high school is Whoa. there are quite a few golf courses in santa cruz which is also like a very lucky thing i feel like um, we had one too but this mm -hmm. is santa barbara yeah um seascape golf course in aptos was like my second home uh, because we played there all the time and i was there yeah because then i joined the varsity girls golf team Damn because it's so hard to get girls to play golf that there wasn't even a junior varsity mm -hmm. like and there were um there were only always only about five or six girls on the team because you needed five to qualify um and it was a small group and it was very like disparate people i don't really think that we would have met through any other thing but like best times with those girls oh my god and we would get the full treatment too. We would get like, you know, free play time because we would play on this like beautiful course every day. And um, like we got the free merch. I like had a bag that had my last name embroidered on it. Um, and because we would have fundraisers, but we also had great support systems from like businesses or, you know, golf associations in town because they were so stoked that there were these teenage girls who just wanted to play golf. Um, but yeah, people think it's so funny. 
that I play golf and like people would definitely make fun of me for it, you know, jokingly, like not actually, but um, in high school. And then it kind of became a cool thing. And now it's like, oh yeah, oh, I was under the range. It's like, you know, kind of funny how with age, certain things become, uh, opinions of things like change. But um, yeah, I'll probably always play golf. I just love it. Yeah, and you were telling me a story that you were playing golf once and like some guys are trying to give you some pointers or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Can you say something about that? Well, it's funny. I mean, just because being a girl, especially because I am blonde, I love blonde jokes, <laughs> like dumb blonde jokes. I like make fun of myself all the time. But especially when it comes to golf, I really know what I'm doing because I've been playing, you know, very consistently. I mean, not as much anymore just because um, I don't have a car and car, I'm not about to like take my clubs on the bus. And I also don't have like friends who play golf here. Um, but all throughout junior high and high school, I played very consistently and I went through enough like, you know, verge of tears, like frustrate, like ripping your hair out from frustration sessions that, you know, I got over the hump and now I'm actually really good. And I love, um, going to the range, but, uh, and the range is the driving range where you practice, um, by the way. Um, but I love going to the range, except without fail, every time I go and I am approached by some, it's always an old man who is trying to give me pointers. And it's like, I don't need your help. And I, you know, my nature is just to be polite, but it's actually really annoying because the, I know that they see me and they think that I'm just some little girl who, you know, is, you know, out there like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. It's like, no, I, I'm better than you. Probably <laughs> like I can drive 220. Like I know what I'm doing. Um, so but I feel like that might just be part of the experience of being a girl and not being taken as seriously for some people, because I know 100 percent if I was a guy that that would not happen to me. But, and maybe, you know, it, maybe I try to look at it like optimistically, maybe they are stoked to see that there's a girl on the range and they want to talk to me and have a positive interaction and they don't know how else to do that. And they're afraid of being creepy or something. So they're like, I'm going to try to help her. Mm -hmm. And that's sweet. So I try to frame it like that. Like, <laughs> oh, they just want to show their support, like yeah. rolling my eyes. But <laughs> um, but part of it has kind of like, I don't know. It is annoying for people to not think that, I, I would like to just go and just have everyone kind of have this respect of like, I'm gonna let her be in her zone. Because every time someone talks to you in public, no matter what you're doing, kind of takes you out like, oh, um, uh, you know, takes you out of what you're doing and you have to kind of, um, switch your brain up a little bit. And so that happens for me too. Mm. But um, it is really intimidating also being a girl surrounded by guys on the golf course. And I always kind of feel like I'm trying to prove myself. But as I get older in every aspect of my life, I just like care less, which is really awesome. I talk to old people and they say that they're, you know, I talked to this lady recently and she was in her seventies and she's like, I am the happiest I've ever been. I'm retired and I just don't care. I just do whatever I want and it's awesome. And, you know, she was like, I wake up with my husband who I love and my house who that we built together and I go to my garden and I have time to garden every day because I'm retired. And then I cook whatever I want. 
and I go for a walk with my dog and I'm like, oh my God, it sounds great. Like, I don't know. And, um, yeah, but as I, as I get older, I've adopted more of that like carefree mindset and it's the same, you know, it's permeated into my golf style, <laughs> I guess, of just being like, I'm going to go. I don't care who's watching me. I don't care if I'm doing bad. I'm just going to play because I love to play. Dope, dude. One thing that I've also noticed about you just even now, because I mean, I, I, I don't know if we've like hung out that much to notice it, but like your confidence, dude, like you oh, talking really? about your art and golf, like you're like, yeah, I know I'm good. There's a lot of people, not just like women, you know, that like sell themselves short, you know? Mm-hmm. So have you always been that confident? No, dude. I think also quarantine really like the whole COVID thing because I was going to CC like in my hometown and I was already living at home. So it wasn't a huge life change for me uh, to move back or to, to just continue staying home and be with my family and stuff. Um, but I spent so much time alone because my mom and my brother both have asthma and my brother like even if he just gets a normal cold, he will have this awful cough for like months. So I was terrified that if I got COVID, if I went out and socialized, got COVID, brought it home, that he would be like fucked. So I don't know if I could swear. But, um, Fuck yeah. No, you yeah. Can't for sure. And so I was just terrified. Um, and so I spent so much time at home and just like mostly in solitude. Like, I mean, obviously spent lots of quality time with my family, which was amazing, but I spent a lot of time really getting to know myself and really being comfortable in myself. Like, and I think part of having confidence is, oh, like, I think I was talking to you about this like a while ago, but um, I read that you are what you practice and you, if you struggle with, feeling insufficient or if you have bad self-talk like say you're a person and you the little voice in your head is always like you're fat you're ugly you're not a good student it's like okay if you have that voice then do things every day that disproves that voice oh is it the little voice thinks i'm fat no i go to the gym or you know i run five miles every day or i do this and that it's like okay then check disproven I'm ugly. Well, you know, I don't care. I look in the mirror. I like what I see. And, you know, my grandma thinks I'm pretty. Check. You know, it's like <laughs> <laughs> you have to, to, or, you know, you're not, if the voice is telling you you're not smart, well, I get good grades or I am really well-versed in this thing. I know a lot about cars. I know a lot about plants. It's like you have to have kind of this, artillery ready to kind of combat whatever false things thing and so it's like and for me I've always been so passionate about art and I've been able to kind of develop this craft of mine and like I just cherish that part of myself and it would be doing a disservice to be like oh well yeah I do art but like it's not that good because plus like whether it be about yourself or like what you do, it's like you have to, the the more self-assured you are, the more self-assured other people will perceive you. It's the same with like, they just did a study on um, likability with people. Like 
people 100% or it's like 90% of the time or something like you more than you think that they like you. So it's like everyone likes you more than you think. So just give yourself some slack. You know, I realized that growing up, I was not giving myself enough slack and I was just so insecure. And what's the point? Like you just, I don't know, for me, honing my skills and like focusing on doing what I like to do and doing it well and putting my heart and soul into everything that I do has just been really fulfilling. And it's kind of given me this new, like, you know, self-assuredness, which is really awesome. Mm-hmm. So dude, I, don't know, that, I don't know if that made sense. That did, dude. Okay. No, I really appreciate it. Sorry, I was just making sure. Um, no, you're good. That's awesome. Yeah, because I, I feel like you explained that. It's beautiful. I, I hope it hopefully could help someone, you know? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it, because, I mean, I used to be so, like, not... I mean, I'm trying to think of a word other than insecure, but just so insecure. And it's such a waste of time because, I mean, you can only control so much of your appearance, of course. Like, you can dye your hair, you can, like, work out, whatever, but you're born with your genetics, and but you have full control over your mind. So why not use it? It's like... If and if you always have this victim mentality and you always find things to complain about, then yes. you're going to be miserable. Yes, dude. I'm a big proponent of that, like where you could either choose to be the victim mm-hmm. or you could choose to be what's the other word? Oh. Uh, not a victim. <laughs> but anyways, you could choose to be a victim or not. Like mm-hmm. you the way you perceive it, like the freaking computer, you know, I was like, dude, whatever, I'll buy another one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I exactly. broke my computer and I was like, oh, whatever, I'll buy another one. Yeah. That, that's the context. But yeah. But just taking everything in stride. And mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, because for me, I was so insecure about my body for so long. And the more that I've thought about it, I think it's because I'm tall. I'm 5'10. And for a girl, that's like enough to be, you know, pretty much consistently like the tallest of my friend groups. <laughs> and, yeah. um, and and you're blonde. Yeah, <laughs> natural. It's like it's all, yeah. Do you dye it? No. Well, gonna, actually, no. I dyed my bangs because when I first cut them, they just looked too <laughs> dark. But like the rest of my hair is all naturally blonde. Um, it's those bike rides, huh? They keep them. So by, yeah, just being fried in the sun all the time. Um, but uh, yeah, being tall, I realized that I always felt big. Like, because tallness is... Like, being tall doesn't make you, like, a big person. But for me, I just felt, like, huge compared to my friends. Especially because, you know, I mean, growing up, my friends were just, uh, you know, amazing. Like, you know, mostly you know, short, shorter than me, but like average height and like very thin, beautiful and stuff. Um, and I just always felt it difficult to not compare myself just because I always felt like I was towering over them. And then I associated with like, oh, if I'm taller than them, then I'm bigger than them. So then it's like all of this, you know, fear of being like too large. And then that translates into like not wanting to be fat, which translates into. <laughs> yeah. Were you the one telling me that you even like slant yourself a certain oh way that God. you instead of straight because yeah. you don't want to be the biggest person in the room? Yes. Tallest, sir. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh my God. I was at, I met this guy named Casey. Shout out Casey. He's the best. 
I met him at my friend's band show down here downtown. And um, we were like talking. And do you ever get like a little piece of skin like on your finger? And I was just kind of like, like, I just like yeah, wanted yeah. to, it was bother because that stuff bothers me. So I was fixated on it. So I was kind of like tugging on it with my teeth and I was just trying to like rip it off. I'm like, oh, sorry. I'm like, it's a cuticle thing because I was talking to him and I was like, just had to explain myself. He's like, yeah, you know what? You keep biting your nails, which I wasn't. I was putting on my cuticle actually. <laughs> He's like, yeah, you keep doing that. And you know what else you keep doing? You're like, like this. And then he like puts all of his weight to one side and kind of like slants. Um, which he called me out because I do that. I'm always like shift, have my weight shifted to one side. Um, and I didn't realize how much I did it until he pointed it out because that's just my neutral position. Um, because he was like, you keep doing this. Like, why do you do that? And I was like, you know what? I think it's because I'm subconsciously trying to make myself smaller, but my, but cause growing up, my dad was always like shoulders back, have good posture. Like you're like to me and my brothers, you're gonna be tall. You have to own it, which really stuck with me. And I'm grateful that he drilled that into my brain. Um, but this KC guy was like, you, you gotta stop doing that. You gotta stop shifting your weight. Like he's like, stand straight with your weight evenly distributed. And then he like pushed on my shoulder. He's like, and do that. Like, just like be tall. He's like, be tall because you are tall and I see beauty in that. And I was like, dude, thank you. Like I just never, and I never realized that it was making me appear less sure of myself, which, you know, of course it is like, you know, if you have even weight distribution, even stable stance, it makes you come off as like confident. Um, but now, yeah, I, <laughs> Casey's words are just ringing in my mind. like, you know, just stand up tall, stand up tall. Um, and don't slant because I just, I don't know, even what this older woman who I work with, um, she was talking about height and she told the story of her daughter who, uh, went to prom with this kid who was like pretty significantly shorter than her. And she was going to wear flats to prom because she was like, well, I can't be taller than even more taller than this guy. And then the lady I work with was like, no, wear heels you know, do whatever you have to do, like slay your appearance because you have to look your best regardless of the context or who you're with. Like you have to look your best. And that stuck with me too, because even now I'll be deciding, or even if I'm hanging out with my friends, I'll be like, oh, well, like she's so much shorter than me. Like maybe I won't wear my heeled boots today because <laughs> I don't, but then it's like, it's so pointless. Like why in, you know, I feel like part of maturity is just being like, why am I wasting time worrying about this thing? And I realized that's what I was doing a lot of time with my height because it's like, I'm gonna be tall. It's, there's no other way. And like, if anything, it's a blessing to be tall. So why figure out ways to try to minimize that part of myself and try to shrink down when it's like, you could just own it. Yeah, because there's some sort of irony in there where like there's I'm sure there's women that look at you that are like, fuck, I wish I was that tall. You so, know? <laughs> uh, yeah, my friends who are short will be like, oh, I would kill to be that tall. It's like, yeah, well, grass is always greener. Yeah. Now I say, oh, no, you don't. Well, I tell them like, then get boots, like, get yeah. heels. You know, you can choose to be tall if you want to. But I don't know. I think part of that is just not appreciating what you have just because you have it. Like how, yeah. you know, you don't even want to go. You don't want to go hang out in your own back backyard. You want to go to someone else's just because um, you just don't 
you tend to overlook what is actually yours. So Damn, yeah. that's crazy. So I did want to ask you about since um since we didn't say your name in this podcast. Oh, yeah. Um do you ever use like any substances like marijuana or alcohol or mushrooms when you're doing art? Oh, um or no? yeah, well I used to, like in high school. Um just because I feel like yeah, I, I love weed. You allegedly did this in high school. Allegedly. It's not <laughs> off the record. <laughs> um but I think I've never done psychedelics. No, not even mushrooms? No. That's crazy. You <laughs> seem like someone that would do I know, mushrooms. Like, wait, you seem fried though. Like <laughs> No, you're not fried, but you're from Santa Cruz, you know? I know. Yeah. I just um not that I'm not interested. If anything, the opposite. Like I'm so interested in it that I would almost rather study it mm. and gain as much knowledge as possible and then use it later in life. Like I could see myself being like 40 mm-hmm. and doing the whole um, mushroom, you know, ayahuasca oh, yeah. shebang. For sure. um, because just because it's fascinating, but it also, um, I think people undervalue how much it can mess with your like brain chemistry and stuff. And um i think i think these things are great tools i i don't know because even alcohol it's a social tool and i do think it's i i i think it's good to like i don't know how to like phrase this i just i think it's good to like change your mindset you know whether that be trying new things or engaging in substances like i think it is useful to put your brain in a different place. So That's that, what coffee is, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. totally. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's stimulants. Like, even if it's just putting your brain in a slightly altered state of, like, productivity or whatever, it's like, if it's not really doing that much harm for, for you, and if it's um, low stakes and not going to affect you that, you know, terribly, then, like, why not? Especially because for me, like, if I'm if I'm dealing with something like, I don't know. I also, I think a lot, like I'm a a big thinker and I overthink a lot. Um, but that's why I like using weed more as a tool. Like I don't like smoking socially. Also, I never smoke tobacco. Like I get that people are all into like vaping and cigarettes are like cool somehow now, but I'm so against that. Like I will never tell someone to not smoke but i just like don't see the, the appeal and lung cancer is very real so it smells like shit dude i hate secondhand smoke oh Same. man and it makes the worst. it messes my lungs up just from the secondhand yeah. smoke so like you know stay away from that but um not that smoking anything is like yeah. good for your lungs but at least with weed like um it just puts my brain in a different place. And it also makes me very sensorily aware, like, but to the point where it makes me too aware where I don't, I like being alone, but, um, I don't make art as much when I like, when I make art for, cause for me, it's now kind of like my business and I just take it very seriously. And so if I am making art, I want to be present for it. But um, I do like using weed as a tool for like thought. Mm-hmm. Um, or sometimes if I like, have a problem that I'm dealing with, I'll put want to put myself in a different mindset and kind of explore it in that like altered perspective. 
Um, but weed just makes me very like, uh, like I feel everything and I'm very aware of everything. Even sometimes I'll be like on the second story of a building and I'll be like aware of the fact that there's a ground or, you know, like a room beneath me and I get tripped out. Um, but I think that just goes from like thinking a lot. And, um, I, yeah, I, I just use it as a tool, I guess. And, um, it's also really fun to like have a little spa day when I'm high because I just become very aware of like, um, also, do you know what dry brushing is? I love dry brushing. It's like, um, I got a set online, but it's like these just brush it, brushes. It's like boar hair or something or faux. For your hair. skin or something? Your skin. Yeah. So like, oh, like what they do to shower. horses. Yeah. <laughs> That's what Wait, I was thinking when yeah. you said dry brushing. Oh my God. It's the same. Um, because you just, there's this like way, this kind of order that you brush everything and it matters like what direction you do it and stuff. And it's good for your lymphatic drainage and it's great for your skin and like your circulation. And so doing stuff like that, where it's a very sensory, like, um, kind of like tactile thing. I don't know what the word is, but um, doing stuff like that or like taking a shower and like cleansing yourself. I feel like that just hits different when you're in this more open, stoned, like state. That's wonderful. Yes. Thank you. I think it's wonderful too. Hell yeah. And what, so you, you were an IV, right? Like Mm. for the last two years, what's that like? Like the party life, the just the recreational stuff, the beach mm-hmm. or whatever you want to talk about yeah. regarding that. Cause I think people from outside of UCSB and IV, I think it's interesting to them because it's definitely like a little bubble, a little like cultural hub for people at UCSB. Totally. Um, yeah, I love Isla Vista. It's a very, I think it's very unique. I mean, I'm not like, I, I have been fortunate enough to travel, but I feel like I'm not well-traveled enough to really know what is truly unique and what's not. But it does feel unique in that it's a very small, I think it's like a two-square-mile town full of like 90% college students, so like 18 to 22 or whatever. Um, and it's just very close to the ocean and everyone bikes around and the weather's beautiful most of the time and like it's just very open and like so so many friendly people I mean I even like I'm homies with like the homeless people in town like there's this guy Xander who um he has a long beard and a hat and I just like see him everywhere because it's such a small town and you know it's just one of those people who's has an interesting perspective that is interesting to learn about. Um, but yeah, I, I love it. It's just everything that you need. And all of my friends are there. Like I just love biking around, going to the beach all the time, running into my friends all the time and going to parties. Yeah. I mean, the party scene is very big just because as I mentioned before, it's very like work hard, play hard, but there, there is a balance, but um daging is very big day rages day yeah because party. didn't after what was it the riots they like instilled a bunch of rules i don't know if it's every day of the year but they did like during halloween and like yeah. deltopia there's like a curfew and stuff yeah i know that bad stuff has happened in the past so they try to kind of minimize the risk of like a crazy 
violent outbreak happening again. Someone um, passed away at the recent Deltopia. Really? Yeah, through oh. fentanyl, I believe. Really? Yeah, yesterday there was a, in my comm class a director of a mortuary, oh. <laughs> right? So I might have her on the podcast yeah. too. Oh, that's so cool. Um, and she, I was asking her about like, what's the most common? And then she said fentanyl. She said, yeah, just during this last uh, Deltopia, mm-hmm. this kid had never done drugs and, oh. you know, he took in, he passed away and i didn't even know that until she told me isn't that crazy that you don't i know it's kind of messed up that you don't know that yeah well yeah yeah well but part of it is like not our fault because they do such a good job of sweeping it under the rug um because ucsb is a business and iv is obviously associated with the business Mm -hmm. it's part of their like grounds um and so it makes sense that they don't want prospective students to hear about the bad stuff but it's also like well because even there was a huge car accident right next to campus last year where oh, like yeah. three students died yeah. and i know i don't know him but i know the friend of the person that that, oh, that passed away yeah. yeah but i mean and of course bad things happen but it's just good to be aware of it especially when it's preventable i mean with car accidents the only thing you can really do is be aware and be a good driver. But with drugs, it's like if you're making a choice to partake in something, you got to know, especially if he's never done drugs before, then you just don't know the dangers that are out there. And it's terrible, which is part of the reason why also I'm hesitant to do drugs. And like I have I had a friend in high school who um, died as a result of like taking um, psychedelics, like just this series of events. Unfolded, What's psychedelic? Um, acid. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and so because people don't take it very seriously, and even I know um, there are some clubs who do trips um, to like Mammoth or whatever um, to do like camping and party and all that, and people will be on five substances Damn. at once, like. And I just uh, first of all, I don't really see the appeal. I see the peer pressure component of it, but I don't see the appeal of it because at that point it's not fun. You're just trying to survive with all this stuff coursing through your veins. Yeah. Even with one substance, dude, if I, I like know. have like four drinks and my heart's just like over here and then over here, I'm like, oh, what is oh, happening? Yeah, no, I know. Um, yeah, people will do like, they'll like smoke weed and be drinking beer and then they'll do ketamine and then they'll take shrooms. Is that horse tranquilizer? Yeah. Yeah, I, think I don't so. know a lot about ketamine because yeah. it's, very is it an amphetamine oh, I, i'm not that well versed yeah, you need it the good right yeah. <laughs> yeah um yeah but i think that i also think people get or people like students in isla vista get caught up in the party lifestyle and forget that their body is going to be with them for as long as they are alive like you only get one body and you know even your skin is an organ it's yeah you know the biggest organ the biggest organ (laughs) and you know obviously the one that's most exposed to the outside so it's important to take care of it because if you talk to old people they have lots of regrets i wish i brushed my teeth better i wish i wore sunscreen i wish i stretched and people i think um young people especially living in a go 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 
not that I've used like go-go-go, it's very laid back, but there's always something fun to do. And there's always people who are down to do drugs or crazy things or whatever, go, you know, skinny dipping in the ocean in the middle of the night and stuff like that. And I do think that when you're caught up in that, it's easy to lose sight of the fact that your body is something that you should be taking care of, not abusing as you just do every single thing that your heart desires. Yeah. And were your experiences mostly positive at like in IV parties oh, and stuff? Def- definitely. Yeah. Um, I just love chatting with people. I think it's great. And the more, the longer that I live in this town, the more people I meet and make connections with and the connections that I've had have just strengthen and get deeper. And I just have a love for like that human connection, especially because it is such a small town um, that I really just feel like I'm a part of it. And I work at a grocery store that's (laughs) very popular in town and seeing my friends or just chatting with people every day uh, makes me really feel like a part of like the community. It's awesome. That's badass. What what are your plans after Santa Barbara? Um, Are you going to go back home? Yeah, well, originally I was going to go right back home after graduation because I walk on the 18th. And um, Wait, you're walking this year? Yeah. When when did you graduate? Last quarter. Oh, yeah. I thought you've been I thought you graduated last year. No, no, no. Like I just graduated. Oh, yeah. Um oh, congrats. Thank you. Dude. Yeah, it feels great. Um but I'm not, I'm not having like the oh shit moment yet. <laughs> I'm like feeling very, almost oddly optimistic. Like yeah. when does your lease end? Uh, well, my lease ends on the 20th. And so, yeah, I know, but it was making me really sad to like leave IV just cause I love it so much. And I'm going to miss the people. Cause I realized I'm never going to be in the situation where I'm living so close to the ocean. I know so many people and they're all within like a two mile radius of me. And this is just so special that I'm not ready to leave yet, especially because I did transfer. So I uh, decided to sublease. So I'm subleasing from like early July through mid-August. And then I, (laughs) my ultimate endeavor is to move to Australia, which is super random. A lot of spiders. A lot of spiders. Why Australia? (laughs) I just, that's a, I don't know. I try to answer the question, but I just am drawn to it. And people have said, oh, you seem like an Australia girl. Like, you seem like you would like it. Yeah, what's um, your ethnicity? White. Huh. Just like <laughs> European? Yeah, well, I'm Irish, Polish, Scandinavian, and Dutch. But oh, like, nice. I don't, I, I don't find that interesting. I, I like think white, it's interesting. But, okay, yeah. well, thanks. So, uh, Australia, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I also, I have Irish citizenship. Mm. Um, I feel like you told me that. Or maybe, yeah. yeah. That's Fun true. fact. And I've been to Ireland three times, which, oh my God, it's so amazing. I love Ireland. Um, I miss the sun when I'm there because I love the sun. But, um, I, well, actually, I think Australia is appealing to me because I read this memoir of this lady who lived there and it just kind of stuck with me. And I just... I love the small town here and I've gotten so much from it, but I'm almost ready to just kind of go be anonymous again and meet people just because I've had so much success here. And I didn't, I knew of some people coming to the school, but I didn't actually know anyone. And I just feel like I had the best experience. And so I'm just kind of ready to take that onto a larger scale. Yeah. Um, 
And I will always love the ocean and the sun. And I'm so blessed to have, you know, gotten to enjoy it all throughout growing up and stuff. So I just kind of want to keep that ball rolling. Damn, that's sick. Thanks. Yeah. And you're planning to do art then or are you trying to get a job out there? Um, Yeah, I want to get I just want to try everything art related, like just because um, I think there's like, I think the best way to go about it is just to find the what you're best at and just specialize. And so I know I'm good at art, like I, and I love art and that's what I want to do, but I feel like I still need to find out what I'm best at so that I can just come hone, hone in on it. And the way that you figure that stuff out is by obviously doing. So mm-hmm. um, I would love to get into like an illustration or like even product design or um, graphic design like thing or even um, I was kind of reading into like prosthetic making because actually someone came in through my line at the grocery store and they were talking about you were chatting about art because they were asking about my life and they said that they know someone who makes prosthetics who that are hyper realistic for like arms, like amputees and yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, oh, that's interesting because I do love highly detailed things. And um, that would definitely be a very functional thing to create. So maybe I'll do that. We'll, we'll see. I just, yeah, I definitely want to try everything and just figure out the most, the, the way that I can make what I love the most functional useful for like the world at large yeah basically dang so what are you into do you like comedy or anything like that yeah i love bill burr <laughs> yeah dude he's funny dude. do you he's know who funny. stavros hawkies is no he's like some greek co- comedian dude i want to go see him out in la he was so freaking really? funny i love it i love like i don't know if it's dark humor or just like messed up humor <laughs> you know i love it i know there's like a time and place for it but i feel like in society it's like really hard to even like mess around nowadays yeah you know? i think um and also the concept of the internet and people being filmed mm. like if you slip up people can you know, 10 years down the line pull it up and be like no this is the exact moment yeah. when you know you said this so I, I think yeah there's a bigger fear now surrounding like screwing up but also I don't think that like cancel culture is kind of silly to me because people do forget. Mm-hmm. Like, I, of course, I'm not excusing the inexcusable, yeah. but also no matter how bad, I try to remember this when I'm like wanting to, you know, bash my head into a wall because I did something embarrassing. <laughs> um, there will always be something more pressing that people will pay more attention mm-hmm. to like eventually like this will this one thing that happened will not be at the forefront of people's minds yeah. forever and so i do think it's um important to hold people accountable but only to a certain extent i agree because when they do that initially it feels like you know they did something wrong but then people just want to attack instead of help them an example mm-hmm. of this i was in section the other day and this guy, I well-meaningly, I, I think he's Mexican himself. He was like saying, "Oh, like, yeah, these uh, these illegal people." And then the TA is mm. all like, "Oh, 
so like we don't use you shouldn't use that you should say like undocumented or like you know mm-hmm. not illegal because no one's illegal but right. instead of like you know attacking them she just like showed them and that's what it should be about you know as opposed to like slandering yes. just for fun like ganging up on someone it should be like oh like you shouldn't do that or like you yeah. know taking yeah. us an educational opportunity yeah. rather than an opportunity to just bash yeah. someone but if you go too far then that yeah I of get, course yeah there is a point yeah and also with comedy, I think that people forget that it's not malicious because it's all about the person's intention too. like a comedian or, you know, not that everyone actually does this, but a comedian should take events from the world or whatever from their own life and then spin it in a way that is relatable and entertaining. Um and it's an art form because you could, you know, either go oh, too conservative yeah. and it's not funny yeah. or, you know, go too far into the direction of, oh, well, now you're just being messed up and you're pushing buttons that people don't want to be pressed. Um, but, you know, and even I feel like Dave Chappelle has a good balance of that where yeah. he'll talk about things that people are like, well, why is he venturing into that territory? But then he brings it back in into just humanity and makes it funny. And at the end of the day, we all know he's not yeah. being a, just a dick. But he's, people will yeah. sometimes choose to see what they want to like see. That's so it's kind of like complicated in that yeah. regard. Not just him, just like saying like, you know, whatever he may say or someone else say, like, I think we are talking about that, that some people perceive it differently, you know? Yes. And... Yeah, I feel like people miss that it's an opportunity for opening up conversation. Because if you just keep sweeping something under the rug over and over again, nothing's going to change. Yeah, definitely. Without having like difficult discussions, I don't think anything's going to get solved because you're just like, it's just under the rug. Exactly. Dang. But yeah, I mean, I think there will always be... um, a need for comedy and like just I love being funny. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, comedy's universal too, which is great. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you want to touch on? We were about like an hour and 30 minutes. Oh, cool. Yeah. I don't know if there's anything else you want to touch on or. Uh, no. Do you have anything? I'm pretty, I'm, I think I'm good. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah, I'm great. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and dude, congratulations for, for graduating. Thank That's such you. a big thing. I know. I'm really excited. And thank you so much for having me. The setup so professional. I know. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thank you.